This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to a special midweek Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, X and on Twitch. So good evening if you're watching along live. Our podcast is supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we couldn't make this show each week. So thank you, as always, for your support. Coming up this week on the podcast, while the run had to end eventually, I'm just not sure many of us thought it would be at Bristol City on a Tuesday night. We're going to dissect a defeat for the first time in literally months. And it's another game in front of the TV cameras on Friday with a trip to West Brom. Chris Hall from the Albion Analysis podcast is going to join us later to help preview that one. And today's I wasn't expecting that was the news that Jason Wilcox is a target for Manchester United. So we'll bring you what we know on that later too. My name's Martin Stark and joining me this evening is Steve Grant, who is the owner of Saints Web. And Glenda Lacour is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 264 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, first up is the shout to our Patreon community, whose monthly contributions support the show. There are two new Patreons this week. That's Duncan Pike and Stephen Morrow, who've joined our Bobby Stokes tier. So welcome, Duncan and Stephen, and thank you for your support. We have four tiers, ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the podcast, each of the tiers has some different perks. You get access to an ad-free version of the pod. There's the TSP t-shirts and merch bundles. There's the FPL, and you get access to our TSP events and much much more too the ad free version of the podcast is available on spotify now so if you link your spotify and patreon accounts you can listen to the ad free pod directly on the spotify app and if you were listening or watching last weekend you will know that we launched the new look tsp shop patreons get a personal discount code to spend there's hoodies t-shirts and mugs plus much much more to come over the coming weeks do take a look it's shop.totalsaints.co.uk 
And if you'd like to get involved in supporting TSP each month, just head over to patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast for more details. All the links are in the podcast show notes and you'll find them in the YouTube description as well. So let's get into the football, shall we? Saints lost for the first time since September on Tuesday night. 3-1 the final score. Bristol City scoring three second-half goals to end our 25-game unbeaten run in all competitions. I must point out that this podcast was planned before then. It's not a reaction to that. It's not a meltdown special. This is just a generic run-of-the-mill extra pod to help with all the demands. Glenn, I guess we have to start with Bristol City. To be fair, they thoroughly deserve that win. Yeah, yeah, they did. and. Um... It was very much a performance like they put on at St. Mary's, only they scored the first goal this time. They restricted us. They kept the spaces very sort of like short in defence and and stopped us from playing through them. And then they clearly had a plan to hit us on the break behind the fullbacks, you know, get down get down the sides and get crosses into the middle. It was only because they they couldn't sort of like connect all the dots in the first half, a, lo- a number of crosses came in and sometimes it found players, but they missed and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and they they played very well. Unlike at St. Mary's, they they found the finish in, in the second half, though. You know, and they probably will admit they had a little bit of fortune on both the first two goals because the, the first goal, he tries to play a one-two and it bounces off a small bone. If, if he'd... Pl- if he played the one-two and it had come off his own player like he intended, he would have been offside. But yeah, they they scored from that, and and the second goal, it wasn't a corner. You know, it hit the, it came back off Howard Bellis, hit the guy, went off. But having conceded the corner, obviously you've got to defend it better than we did, which was just standing there and uh, and watching watching the biggest guy in the park head it into the net. So, uh, but you know, as Russell Martin said afterwards, we we had chances before they scored. I mean, he mentioned two, which was the sort of a dozy half chance that he floated onto the bar and the um, the one that Adam Armstrong hit straight at the keeper. But I thought the worst miss was the one right at the sec- start of the second half when we nicked the ball sort of like high up the park. Armstrong slightly overhit the pass. Idozi didn't control it properly. And then the, the cross and then Brooks tried to take out the goalpost. That was the worst miss because basically we made a mess of it. Um mm-hmm. And that should have been 1-0. And, and then it's a different game. Uh, they showed at St Mary's Bristol City don't really have a plan B other than sit deep and play on the break. So, you know, but fair, fair play to Bristol. Can't complain. You know, the, the third goal was a really good goal. And, and yeah, they, they deserve to win. And we've, as you said at the start, we had to lose some time. I just felt like it almost seemed like one game too many for a lot of players. It just mm. seemed like a, a number kind of hit the wall didn't play particularly well, didn't have the energy. If you compare it to our away game at Swansea when we had, you know, midfielders pelting forward, getting ahead of the ball and everyone seemed to be, you know, really in sync and playing well. There was none of that in, in this game. It just seemed very, very sluggish and uh, uh, from, you know, from from the start. But, uh, you know, but with the, with the cards falling another way, we, we could have won it. We just didn't come out on the right side this time. Yeah, tight margins. Steve Russell Martin said afterwards it wasn't far from a really good performance. Is is that fair? Is it all about that that first goal and, and not getting that, and then uh, they they get their tails up? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, certainly, if you judged that result and performance based on the the views of a number of people, that, even the number of people, a number of people that were in the ground, um, sort of around me, you'd have thought that that we'd have played a team three divisions below and lost five nil. It was such was the ludicrous, strange over, atmosphere. Ludicrous overreaction from some from some quarters. It's been very very strange. But 
I guess we're in we're in that situation now where everyone see everyone's seen how good we can be and that we've been able to put it put it together for a consistent very very long consistent period and yeah tonight uh, last night on Tuesday night it just didn't quite quite fit together we we were all, it kind of felt like we were always about I don't know about half a yard away from doing absolutely the right thing every time first half I mean there's a there's a lot of kind of descent around Shay Charles's passing which was his radar was off a little bit but actually I thought that his positioning was excellent um in that midfield to the extent that actually the reason why they were having to go so uh, Bristol City were having to go so wide was because Charles actually had control of that midfield uh, mm. from a defensive shield position uh, perspective um so in that regard we didn't actually miss Flynn Downs uh, where we where we missed him was the being able to play that forward pass through the lines. And um yeah, the number of times Charles uh, misplaced a pass either straight to a straight to an op- opposition player or, or straight out of play. Yeah, kind of kind of sort of ended quite a lot of our attacks before they'd even got started. That was the only frustrating thing for me. I was really surprised though that that um that we made the change at half time because I I thought that actually the the positional as I say the positional side of things it was working the way it was. And I'm not sure we really needed necessarily to change personnel immediately. It wasn't, it wasn't that much of a, of a disaster. We were, we were in the game and, and arguably we actually created the better, the better chances in that first half. Yeah. Um, albeit only sort of two or three of them, but yeah, second half, we obviously started really well, took advantage of a, of a defensive mistake. And I think ultimately that was the, that was the catalyst of our downfall. Because while Brooks was excellent in the first half, he was running at players and he was getting into spaces and and causing them a lot of problems without actually creating any actual chances. Once he'd basically almost rearranged himself around around that goalpost, mm-hmm. you could just tell he wasn't he wasn't sort of able to move as freely. So the substitution, I mean, to be honest, probably came about ten minutes later than I expected it to, given how he was moving sort of immediately after after the incident but yeah i mean second half we created a couple couple of chances didn't we with the obviously the walker peters volley um straight after they took the lead i think if that goes in then all of us then kind of all of a sudden the mood changes and we we're with and the ones with the momentum again all of a sudden but keeper makes a decent save and we didn't really threaten a huge amount after that it was all a little bit um, all a little bit disjointed. The substitutions changed the changed the shape of the side, and the guys that came on didn't didn't do a massive amount. Fraser was okay in patches. Uh, Mara had a couple of nice touches, but and and Sulemana kind of ran in straight in sort of positive straight direction, but didn't then kind of tended to kind of run into run into one of three players that were surrounding him. So it was, yeah, it was just, just frustrating. I think once, once City got the lead, they were able to play in a more comfortable um, sort of holding pattern style and, and just pick us off on the break because they know that the fullbacks are going to go forward. Um, so there's always going to be space in behind, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, they, it's a, it's one loss in 26. It's not a time for sort of heavy recriminations or, um, sort of finger pointing and saying, oh, teams have, teams have worked us out. Knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the, only, the only concern is ultimately we've conceded six goals in, in two games mm. against, at yeah. best, mid-table opposition. Mm. Um, that's, a, that's a concern. But we, 
I think we kind of all suspect that that's a personnel yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that it'll be resolved as soon as Flynn Downs is back in the team. You hope so. I, mean, I think we need to talk about that, Glenn. I think you were the one that perhaps highlighted that uh, with Will Smallbone <laughs> playing as that number six or the defensive midfielder, uh, whatever they like to call it, that's six goals conceded with him playing in front of the back four. And although you would look immediately at the defence, wouldn't you? But it, And it's not purely on him, but... No, it's not, it's not solely on him, but... He is, I, I struggle to think of a least suitable player to play that position. But it, it's not It's not just, I mean, he doesn't want to play there. Russell Martin seems to have a bit of a blind spot and thinks that he can play there. You know, if you look at the last two games, how many goals do we let in when Flynn Downs is on the pitch? None. How many do we let in with Shay Charles on the pitch? None. How many do we let in with a midfield three of Smallbone, Rothwell and Stuart Armstrong? Six. It's quite glaring. Um, you could argue that we've also scored a lot of goals. But as I said, after the Huddersfield game, it, three goals a game, you're not going to win many. You know, Rothwell meant we got away with it against Huddersfield because he scored two worldies, basically. That's not going to happen every week. And playing those three in midfield, you're basically playing a number eight and two number tens. And it's just, there's just not enough defensive nous there. Um, I thought it was, I was delighted when Charles was picked hmm. because I thought I was worried they were going to start with you know, those three in midfield from, from the start. And and I was horrified when he got taken off because I, I thought exactly the same as Steve. At the end of the day, we're still nil-nil. Yes, some of his passing was very wayward, but the thing is that's that's like Russell Martin's worst thing, isn't it? You know, he wants players who can keep the ball above all else. So he decided to take him off. And I think it was a bad decision. I really do, because you you then haven't got a midfielder who's whose sole brief is to keep the back door shut. And we're just too open. You know, we, 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 we play, we push the fullbacks high. If we give the ball away in the middle of the park, the fullbacks are gone. I mean, I'd take the mick out of Ryan Manning all the time because his defending is a bit suspect. But it's not his fault if we give the ball away behind him, which is what we were tending to do yesterday. And, you know, I, Flynn Down stops so many counterattacks, usually by... You know his his pace and his determination to get into the tackle, and and Will Smallbone's not that sort of player. I mean, I I sort of like have a joke about if Will Smallbone was coming back to his house and he turned the corner and it was on fire, he he couldn't sprint to the house. <laughs> <laughs> it just just a leisurely jog up to the front door. So so what is the option then? So if Flynn Downs is missing and like he is, you know, if he's been out. What is the option with that? That well, number Shay, six. Charles. Shay Charles is the is the backup. I mean. You, you know, he's he's the the only alternative we've got, really, Stevens, to play possibly. to play that position. Jack Stevens, we've tried in midfield before and it didn't work, and I'm I am surprised um, that it hasn't been tried yet. And I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if that is wheeled out on Friday if Flynn Downs is not fit, because it would be difficult to um, you know unless you prepare to give Shay Charles another chance, based on the fact that it was his first game for a while. On uh, he played the FA Cup, didn't he? It was his first game in midfield for quite a while. Maybe he'll give him another chance, or yeah, maybe Jack Stevens in that central midfield role. But but out of those three midfield, I mean, I actually think Stuart Armstrong would probably be more suitable to, for that position than uh, than Will Smallbone. But it's like putting a striker in. Yeah, it's like it's like putting a striker. It's like putting a striker in goal, though. You know, he might do the odd thing, but ultimately he's going to get found out and. We cannot play those those three in midfield 
and and play them like we have. Because unless Rothwell's going to score two worldies a game, then um, it's it's just we're going to be chasing too many deficits, and it's just it's just not going to work. I thought Rothwell was decent again, actually, for for an hour. Did you think so? I, yeah, I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't really I mean, notice he, him. He was he was the one guy that I mean, obviously where the where the away ends right behind behind the goal, and I was quite high up, so you get quite a good sort of tactical view of how everything's being laid out. And you could see that he was the guy that was finding the space between the lines and all the passes out of out of the centre-backs were going to him. And he was the one that had the confidence and, and knowing that he had the time around him to turn and then drive forwards. Um, he was the one that was that was, that was was doing that. And he, he got into some good positions. But final ball let us down a little bit. I mean, the pitch wasn't great. Um, I mean, they there kept was that... watering it, didn't they, as well? It looked yeah. like everyone kept falling over. It was... I mean, it, it, it'd been hammering it down all it'd been hammering it down all day. It was absolutely soaking. And um, you had that fairly ludicrous little passage of play in the first half where Adozi um, put the fullback on his um, on his backside and then proceeded to fall over himself when he was about to put the cross in. <laughs> and it was like, well, what can you do when when the conditions are, are what they are? But yeah, I mean, frustrating, but it is what it is. Did you see the fullbacks getting switched over as well, Steve? We were trying to like watching at home, trying to work out what was going on there. They like they swapped over for a bit. I, I don't I think, think that happened. was no. I, I think that was from a set piece uh, where okay, right. we we had a corner and Manning had gone and it was on the right and Manning had taken the corner and as a result Walker Peters was covering the other side, um, which then meant that Manning was pl- effectively playing right back for for a period, basically just until the ball went out. Right. I had a school of thought this week, Glenn, that actually the now that the, the unbeaten run is over, yeah, we've been sidetracked by that a little bit and maybe it takes the pressure off now. Do you think there's some sense in that or, or is that complete nonsense? Um it uh, I, I would I would hedge more towards the nonsense um side of things. Um it's the sort of thing that you know club media want to talk about and uh and you know, and it's a it's a fun thing for the fans, you know. Hmm. Yeah, making up the chant and adding one to it every week. I'm going to miss uh, the chant. <laughs> well, we're still undefeated, but you know that. I I think players and you know managers are professional enough to just you know one game at a time. Hmm. And uh, I, I I do largely believe that to be true. So I I think it's more of a thing for for media and fans than it is for uh, for actual players. But uh, you know, as Russell Martin has said, it's it's now about how how we respond. I mean, he said we responded well last time, but yeah, we lost another three games before we responded well. Oh God! So we don't <laughs> want to do that. We don't want to do that this time. Thank you, Russell. We want to respond well straight away, which is going to be difficult because very difficult opposition coming up, and mm-hmm. um, obviously only three days break. West Brom played on Tuesday as well, though, so it, it, you know it's. Um, they had, a, by all accounts, a relatively comfortable game against uh, against Cardiff, but uh, but yeah, it, it is going to be a tough one against um, you know one of the one of the stronger teams and similar to Bristol City. Actually, they gave us a very good game at St Mary's and were unlucky to lose, mm. to be honest, because we um, we sort of like nicked it when I when I thought the game was going to be sort of meandering to a to a one all draw. But but there you go. So it is going to be tough, but now. Now the unbeaten runs over, we can uh, try and come up with a new song. And uh, <laughs> yeah, please, please don't sing one undefeated if we uh, get a get a nil nil draw on uh, on Friday. But, it was just infuriating, Steve, looking at the other results coming in, and obviously Ipswich played last night. I think Leicester won two 0 didn't they? Swansea um, or Leeds beat Swansea four 0 and then Ipswich scoring four goals last night. It just seems that 
we we slip up and everybody else has got their foot on the gas at the moment. But there's there's been enough weeks since the turn of the year where it's been the other way around, where we've we've been the only ones that have won and the others have, have all slipped up. Yeah. Uh, what was what was actually really noticeable from the the other games involving the top sides this week was that they all got those games done very early. Mm. Um, Leeds were three up inside what twenty five minutes, half an hour. Leicester had scored twice in twenty five. Uh, who were the other ones? Ipswich were three up at half time as well at Millwall so they were kind of able to coast through the second half of games which is kind of what we've what we've lacked for the most part away from home this season other than that Swansea game where we all thought right this is this is where we've we've worked out how to do it away from home where we can now kind of effectively coast through half of the game and, and retain retain the energy so yeah I mean that's that's what that's what we got to look for the next time we play somebody rubbish away from home. But it's, I mean, going to be wait, going to be waiting a few weeks, I think. Yeah, big game. We're going to preview the uh, the West Brom game in just a moment. Uh, we always finish uh, with a player of the week. Uh, I think Glenn, you said uh, was it half time or full time? No one really deserves more than a six out of ten. Is there anybody that might have edged towards a six and a half? I th- well, I thought our best two players were Sam Adozi and Carl Walker Peters. Um, some of Kyle's positioning defensively was a bit suspect. I thought Sam Adozi was our brightest attacker. You know, you could argue David Brooks before he got injured. Um, but but other other than that, I'm struggling a bit. I just I just thought it was a game where no one really grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and um and made any anything happen really. The the usual suspects, the two central defenders who are usually excellent, they uh I mean, I think Bednarek will be a bit disappointed in the in the header from the corner and uh Howard Bellis looked a little bit shaky. So um yeah, so I, I don't, I don't think anyone really stood out, but yeah, it does Ian Walker Peters, if anyone. I was thinking Flynn Downs by not playing. You know, one of those weeks <laughs> where the player that doesn't play actually well, his reputation he's, 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 certainly enhanced <laughs> on the on the back of that. That's yeah. for sure. Stock goes up. Uh, anyone else you want to add to the the little poll which we're going to do online, Steve? I mean, Bazuni was fine. I mean, for, first half. I mean, you can tell by like a goalkeeper's confidence is when their starting position is excellent. Yeah. Mm. And the way he read that through ball that was played in behind Howard Bellis and got there just before the attacker did was, yeah, absolute sign that he's he's kind of confident in his own game. He knows exactly where he needs to be and timed it timed it superbly. Um, I mean, couldn't do it. And the attacker, it, the goals. The attacker absolutely crapped himself as well, which was funny. <laughs> you yeah. would though, wouldn't you? <laughs> All right, we'll get those uh, that poll on social media a little later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Now we've got the perfect opportunity to bounce back on Friday evening, but of course it's not going to be easy. Uh, West Brom, the destination. So let's welcome back Chris Hall from the Albion Analysis Podcast to uh, help us preview this one. Hi, Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, thanks for having me back, guys. 
That's all right. Uh, good win on Tuesday to follow up a decent point at the weekend. You must be relatively happy at the moment. I'm more than relatively happy. <laughs> I think it, it, we're, we're above ex- expectations. We're way above expectations. You know, we've, um, I, I think with everything going on behind the scenes at the club, we, we at the start of the season, we were worried how bad could this be? You know, uh, especially if... Corbram went rumours that it, you know he might it, it, Leeds were sniffing and all this sort of thing before they uh, they appointed Farker and um, he didn't go and to be honest we've been we've been excellent largely our, our away form's not been brilliant but um, you know not not taking anything for granted on on Friday night because obviously you, you guys are going to be an incredibly difficult game but five consecutive wins at the Hawthorns um, unbelievable home form since Corbran came in both last season and this and um yeah we we look we look very very good on our own patch they uh, we were all watching um with great interest obviously the the Ipswich game last weekend which was uh it was the early kickoff wasn't it and mm. um it looked like an absolute belter of a game what did you make of that one um yeah I mean it was yeah <laughs> look at it this way if you're a neutral you loved it yeah I mean it was uh, it, it was a little bit heart stopping to uh, uh, to be a fan watching it I'll I'll be honest but I thought we were I thought we were really good I uh, like I've got got some really good friends who do, who do an Ipswich Town podcast and I I I know they feel like they should have won the game I thought we were well worth a point to be honest with you over the course of the 90 minutes um I thought there were some big moments in the game that um that, that sort of went against us um in terms of mainly in terms of injuries losing Carl Bartley at half time was absolutely massive i thought he'd been an absolute man mountain in the first half and to lose him at the break unsurprisingly we concede a goal less than a minute into the second half from a long throw you know where he's our best header of the ball and and then obviously to lose dk the way we did when he came on fourth major injuries had since he's been at the club absolutely gutting for him and it it, it it didn't you know really didn't help because late in the game he would have two one up although the guy that came on for him scored made us two one um, he would have been the guy that we'd have been hitting to hold the ball up and we couldn't get out if the if the game had gone on another minute two minutes three minutes Ipswich definitely would have won it I mean we it was absolute backs the wall stuff at the end but that wasn't representative of the whole game um, I thought we were worth a point but. I'm glad the referee blew up, even even though he took 90 seconds longer than he should have done. I'm glad he blew up when he did because we, we we weren't going to hang on much longer. It always feels longer as well, doesn't it, when you're looking and watching him? So it was uh, it was Cardiff, wasn't it, during the week? Mm-hmm. Was that um, a well managed game? Was that with an eye on Friday? Do you think was was that a, a full strength team, or was there some changes there because your fixtures like ours, you play in um, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, it, it's thick and fast right now. I don't think it, with with the best will in the world I don't think Corbran ever prioritizes one game over another I don't think I don't think there was you're right there was certain players left out like like Jed Wallace for example Um, but I don't think I think it was more to do with the fact that you know Jed Wallace is 30 in a month um you know you could you can only you can only get so much football out of him we've got we we've got the oldest starting 11 on average in the division um so we do need to rotate certain players sometimes because when you've got a lot of players um who who are in or approaching their 30s you know injuries can happen so i think he 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 rotated it to give us freshness and also to give us youthful enthusiasm he brought Mikey Johnston in who um is coming on loan from Celtic 23 years old scores within 29 seconds which was a pretty good way to to introduce yourself on on your home home debut um yeah it was a well managed game i think is the right way of putting it we went 1-0 up like i say in the first minute and then 
it was a it wasn't a great game after that point, to be honest with you. Cardiff, with the, with the due respect to them, and I've had this said to me by a couple of Cardiff fans, a very poor offering a threat. But they threw Aaron Ramsey on after the hour, and they were starting to look threatening. Um, until we made our own substitutions, brought on that bit of experience, Wallace, Vyman, Adam Reach, Nathaniel Chalaber, and Chalaber, Wallace and Vyman combined to uh, to score the second goal and that put the game to bed. And that's really where the difference has been for us since January. We, hadn't, we didn't have those kind of options off the bench, but you look at our last three games, Birmingham City at home, Vyman comes off the bench and wins it for us. Ipswich away, Swift comes off the bench and puts us 2-1 up. And then um, Tuesday night, uh, Vyman, well, Wallace comes off the bench and sets up another substitute, Vyman. We've just got options now that we didn't have a few weeks ago. Got to keep an eye on that bench then on, on Friday, Glenn. Back in November, it was it was 2-1, wasn't it? It wasn't a great game. I think Adam Armstrong with the winner with, with 10 minutes to go. It was um, not not a classic, but it was, uh, were we like eight games into the run or something? It was, uh, it was yeah, about I mean, riding out the result, really. Yeah, from what I remember about it, a draw would have been a fair result, really. And I, I think it was it was heading that way. Uh, and we got a goal sort of like more or less out of nothing, just a bit of a lack of concentration in the defence and... Uh, Adam Armstrong put it in the net, so uh, so yeah, we managed to we managed to I, I think nick the win there without playing tremendously well. And at the time, we were kind of like, yeah, it's a sign of a good team win win without playing particularly well. And little did we know that we were going to have another sort of like thirteen games on on the run before we lost again. So uh, so it was uh, it was a good game to win. I, I mean, I know um, Chris is a you know, he's saying that they're exceeding expectations, you know, from what I've seen this season. Because I, you know, obviously we've only just come down, so we don't have a sort of like big history in the championship or recent history in the championship. West Brom have been, you know, they've been comfortably the the fifth best team in the league this year outside mm. the the four who have sort of like pulled away. So so I see this as 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 probably our most difficult game until we start playing the likes of uh, Leicester and Ipswich and Leeds again. So uh so yeah, look, looking forward to this one. But uh, I think we had enough warning in the game at St Mary's, uh, and we had, we had a warning from Bristol City because they played well at St Mary's, mm-hmm. and hopefully we uh, we heed that warning a little bit better than we did on uh, on Tuesday night. I'll tell you something weird about the West Brom game at home. Ross Stewart played. How about that? Oh wow, I'd forgotten about him. Yeah, <laughs> that was his one about, substitute appearance, wasn't it? Did he, he played about ten. He had played about ten minutes on the right wing, didn't he? he yeah. very awkward. But uh, wow, we all thought he's our he's our thirty goal a season Golden Boot winner striker, he's, and he's, he's the answer. Not and Mason Holgate played well. That was the other bizarre thing about that game. <laughs> Man of the match, wasn't he? Holgate. Man of the match, Mason Holgate. Before, before we, yeah, I mean, um, just just to clarify, Glenn, on what you're saying there about exceeding expectations, I don't mean in terms of. Like the 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 quality of the squad because we all well the the quality of the first eleven is definitely there and you're right we we we're, we're the fifth best team in this division by merit at this moment in time we're playing it incredibly well and to be honest if we'd had a if we'd had a better start because our start was slightly disrupted by the fact that pretty much the whole squad was up for sale mm. so we didn't know who yeah. we could pick in the first few weeks of the season we 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 I don't think we'd be quite up there with 
yourselves leads but uh, i think i think i think we'd be we'd be worrying ipswich a little bit more than we are if if yeah. we'd had a better start what i mean by exceeding expectations is we've got such a mess behind the scenes and like i say yeah. everyone was up for sale in the summer and i think a lot of albion fans went in, into this season going to be honest, if if we don't sell half the squad and get embroiled in a relegation battle, we've done well. And not only have we not have we managed to keep a lot of our players, but we've been added in very intelligently for very little money. We knew we had no money to spend, and yet we've we, we've done loans and frees, who've generally impacted the side. And uh, and Corbran has just pulled together a very small group of players and got the absolute maximum out of them. But yeah, by no means am I playing down the fact that we're uh, that we're we're punching above our weight in terms of the quality we have because we thoroughly deserve to be where we are in the league table at this moment in time. I remember last time you were on, we were talking about like the lack of money and and the takeover mm-hmm. that seems to be taking an absolute age to complete. So it, it does make it really difficult for you to kind of manage your expectations about where you might be. But but Steve, they've certainly been uh, as Chris says. They've certainly been quite a, a consistent side this year and when we spoke about both these games together at the, at the weekend you kind of had you know Bristol City might be the easier of the two games and then Friday was always going to be the the big ask and and actually Friday now has, has probably got even bigger for us yeah I mean it's it's one of those where you you want to see a response from the from the disappointment of of Tuesday night and I mean part of that's going to be down to I mean, the the individuals are going to be are going to be motivated, aren't they? Because at the end of the day, they've they've been on a good run, and and you as professionals, that's that's what you do. But it's always interesting to see how certain players react to kind of setbacks. I mean, certainly when like in recent years in the Premier League, when we've when we've faced a setback, we've basically wilted. Um, now, I think the the players that we've got at our disposal now do seem to be a little bit more sort of tougher mentally than than yeah. those were but yeah you're you're always slightly worried i mean don't forget our, our only other defeats other than um tuesday night were four in a row mm-hmm. so and that that came off the back of one which was a fight a five nil hammering and all of a sudden we were we looked completely lost for the best part of the month so yeah i mean as, i mean ultimately as long as long as we don't completely fold like we did in that period then yeah i mean i'm I'm reasonably confident that these players have got got it in them to kind of put that game put that game on Tuesday to one side and not not worry themselves too much about it. Um part of it obviously is going to depend on who's available, who's fit, yeah. who's maybe carrying carrying a little niggle that that perhaps they can't quite get through the get through the game um as we would have hoped. And I mean, of course, you're then you're also then looking at the opposition. I mean, if West Brom, if West Brom turn up as they as they did at St Mary's, they, you know, they I mean, apart from Huddersfield on on Saturday, I think we've we've probably all agreed that that West Brom were probably the the best side we played at home so far yeah. this season. And yeah, we we kind of got a little bit. I mean, we we took advantage of the the one chance we created at the end, but other than that, it was it was a draw nailed on really. Mm-hmm. And I think if West Brom play as well as they can, then we're going to have to play as well as we can. If they're slightly off it, then, I mean, who knows, kind of um, draw, draw a result out of a, out of a um, lucky dip bag and, uh, and see what happens. Cause and, it, and we will in a minute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those, if, if you've got both, if you've got both teams sort of going at it and playing to their, playing to the best of their abilities, then, um, that game's going to be 
going to be great for the neutrals. Yeah, um, that's why they picked it for the chili. So, yeah, I mean, perhaps not so not so good for those of us who are going to be going to be in the stands. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, anybody coming back on Friday, Chris? What's the, the team news? Who who should we look out for? No, I, Bartley. Well, yeah, we've we've got it. We've got a couple back from the Afcon, but um, but they they've literally um, landed back in training today. So I wouldn't expect either Grady Diangana or Shemi Ajayi to start. Um, although we have got a little problem at centre half because Bartley's out for two to three weeks now. We've had it confirmed today, so that's handy for us. I think. Yeah, it it is. Although although in all fairness, Bartley's a real box defender, and uh, and he I mean he's an organizer, which which helps, but. Um, it, we we suffer more without him against the teams who put the ball in the box, and I don't think that's really that's that's your mo to be honest with you. You're more likely to play between the lines, and um, but that makes it interesting as to who he puts in because obviously his replacement against Cardiff was Eric Peters, who is a very very experienced, clever player, but he's not overly mobile. And and, and whether whether we want him in there with um, uh, with Adam Armstrong, uh, you know, uh, trying to split the centre halves and yeah. go between them or whether we try to put uh, Shemi Ajayi um, back in there because he's got a bit more pace, but then he's had one training session, so it, it it is it is a little bit of a it's a bit of a difficult choice at centre half. I think that's the only area where you know we, we've got a problem, as it were. I think the rest of our our issues are nice problems. Um, I think uh, I, I think to be honest, beyond that, I think it will probably be most likely one change from the other night. I think probably Mikey Johnston will come out and our captain Jed Wallace will come back in and Tom Fellows will switch across to the left and uh, and Wallace will come back in on the right. The only other one that he might look at is um, is whether he starts with John Swift or, or, or Andy Vyman because Andy Vyman's been an absolute revelation other than inexplicably punching the ball into the net against Ipswich, which I, I, I'd love to know his, hear from him why he did that because I don't, I don't think anybody he has a clue but other than that he's been absolutely tremendous and John Swift just hasn't quite been the same player since he came back from injury so it'll be it'll be an interesting one I think Corbran is very very good at looking at the opposition and trying to match up against them and I think he will look at you guys and know that um, Russell Martin is only going to play one way he, he doesn't change for anybody and uh, I think it's it's a it's a bit of a similar game to what we've had before at the Hawthorns. We've we've had Ipswich down there, we've beat them. We've had Leeds down there, we've beat them, and th- they all came to play and they all came to have a go. And uh, and we said, okay, we're just going to put a lot of energy on the transition, which is why I think Vyman might come in for Swift because he'll give us that extra energy in transition, uh, and so will Wallace and Fellows, and. I think we will just basically try to frustrate you a little bit, and uh, and then see if we can see if we can hit you on hit you on the break um, with with the pace and the quality that we've got in turning the ball over because that that is what we're very very good at and and to be honest we're quite often better in home games when we can play a bit like the away side which is probably why we've been so good against the teams at the top of the division. I mean, we should have got something out of Leicester as well, to be honest with you. Um, we, we've looked really good against the teams at the top of the division. It's it's sometimes been the teams a bit further down the league that we've laboured to laboured to results against um, at the Hawthorns. I'm going to get a score prediction from you in just a moment, Chris. Glenn, I just want to ask, I know Chris mentioned Adam Armstrong there. I mean, he's away mm. form. I think he's been involved in eight goals in the last nine league games away, four goals, maybe four assists, I think. 
Do you think he he starts though? Because um, I know that there was a suggestion that maybe actually Mara comes in for the team. I think he starts. I, I think he starts every game. You know, I, I kind of figure that our our team is Adam Armstrong plus ten others at the moment. He's he's the captain. He will play. I think he's struggled a bit last few games. He has he's kept up his goal output and his assist output, um, but some his all his all round player has has not been not been great. I'm not a fan of him as the central striker. Mm. He's fine when he plays out wider but with Che Adams being injured so maybe Mara comes into the team and uh, maybe um, maybe Adam Armstrong moves to the right be interesting because I mean we don't know how David Brooks is going to react to his um, altercation with a goalpost on uh, yeah. on Tuesday so he he might not be able to uh, to play this game so Che Adams might be back so but I'm I'm 100% sure that Adam Armstrong will be in the team somewhere and we've got our fingers crossed that Flynn Downs is back as well. All eyes will be on that, uh, that team news at seven o'clock. Uh, let's get some score predictions then. Uh, Steve, do you want to pluck a score out of thin air for this one? I mean, I think we'll see a reaction, but ultimately I think given West Brom's uh, home form, um, their results, as Chris mentioned, against the other uh, promotion candidates, I think we'll get out of there with the draw and be very happy with it. One all. Okay. Uh, Glenn? Uh, if, if Flynn Downs or Shea Charles plays then <laughs> I'm quite confident that we'll get something out of it. Um, I would say a one-all draw. So let, let's let's assume that that's going to happen and I'll go for one-all as well. However, if we go with the small bone Rothwell, Stuart Armstrong midfield, we'll probably get beat 3-0. We're in for because I night. just think, yeah, I mean, just from what Chris has said there, the, the, mm. you know, the threat on the transition, that's what we cannot handle when those three guys are in midfield because we just don't have anybody to, to stop it. Our, mid, our fullbacks will be up the pitch and, you know, if West Brom win the ball and, and attack us from deep with, with pace on the wings, then then we will really struggle. So I just, uh, again, I'll find myself saying exactly what I said after the, uh, after the Huddersfield game is that I just hope we get the balance right in midfield. Otherwise, we're going to have a real struggle. And Chris, score prediction from you, please. We won't share it with anybody else. <laughs> I have to say, I was feeling confident until Glenn rattled through the names that you've got in your squad there. There's, <laughs> you, there's so many players you don't even clock that you've got. And I have to say, I'm I'm rather hopeful that Flynn Downs isn't, uh, isn't available because <laughs> I think he's an absolute player. Um, but... Uh, do you know what? Like, I, 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 I'm not confident by any stretch of the imagination, but just purely on the basis of five straight wins at home and the fact that we we've, we've turned over Leeds and Ipswich at the Hawthorns, I'm going to go for two one to the Baggies. But I, I, I absolutely wouldn't be shocked if it was the other way. I, I, one thing I will say, Glenn, it ain't going to be three nil. Yeah, because we do, we don't blow anyone away. Like uh, I, I, it'll it'll be yeah. tight, whatever it is. I think it will either be it will be one goal either way. Or a draw, but nobody. I don't see anybody winning this at a canter. Okay, I got nice a question point. for you, Chris. Would you have won five games at home? Would you have swapped it all to beat Wolves in the FA Cup? No. <laughs> no uh, do, do you know what? I would have. Uh, I would have thoroughly enjoyed that and everything like that. But oh, it's carnage. The, the, that. Yeah, and it was it was crazy, and uh, you know, and I think uh, I think we, we'd have loved the day and everything, but the reality is, it was just and sorry, this is just the real sober hat on me that especially with all the financial problems we've had around the club, a, a, champ, a shot at promotion this season is absolutely everything to this football club. And yes, I would have enjoyed and rubbed that win in Wolves' uh, his faces just as they've rubbed the fact that they beat us in, in ours. And I, I would have, it would have been thoroughly joyous on the day, but 
if it had come at the cost of promotion, I, you, I can't, I can't make that swap. It's just, yeah, the one is bigger than the other. As much as wolves think that they're bigger than they are. A good answer. Um, if we have to chat to you again, Chris, then I think that means that we're both in the playoffs. So we'll worry about that bridge <laughs> um, when we get there. But for the meantime, uh, enjoy the weekend and uh, as as insightful as ever. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for your time tonight. Yeah, my cheers. pleasure guys uh, if you're watching live don't forget you can put your comments put your predictions uh, in the comments because we do like seeing those i mentioned at the start the the the, the news that we weren't expecting today uh, the tweet from david ornstein at uh, lunchtime manchester united working on a deal to appoint jason wilcox to a senior post in the new manchester united setup uh, i haven't checked twitter for the last hour but uh, at the time it said manchester united yet to approach southampton for the highly rated director of football but the 52 year old is aware of interest job would report into a sporting director glenn i'm just going to get your thoughts on this first it feels to me like we've been here before but that wasn't really mm. the news we wanted to read this afternoon it's a bit oh no and it it always annoys me because it's obviously manchester united leaking stuff to um you know to the athletic who let's let's remember the athletic don't care about saints at all so they haven't even got a reporter for us at the moment so mm. uh, um don't read the athletic yeah but you know david Ornstein is obviously a reputable source and uh, yeah it's somewhat annoying just when we begin to get things uh, going in the right direction it would certainly be a bit of a a bit of a problem if um if that happened but you know if it if it does happen then um sport republic have to deal with it uh, I feel like we haven't mentioned Sport Republic for quite a while, and that's because we haven't had to because they've which is a very kept good thing, in, yeah. absolutely because they've kept in the background and let Jason Wilcox and Russell Martin get on with it. So one would hope that you know, should it come to it, uh, and Wilcox does go after you know he'd have a he'd have quite a sizable notice period. We were discussing this before the program, I think. So it would probably wouldn't be until the end of this season that he did go. But um, you you would hope that. Sport Republic would get someone else in and uh, not appoint someone from within. And we all know who I'm talking about. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the big, the big brain himself. The big brain himself. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's at the end of the day, it's it's backroom staff. It's very important backroom staff, obviously. And it's not, it's not to uh, make it out to be less than what it is. And it, it would be a blow because he, he's only been here, what, six months? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think everyone everyone was happy with the appointment and everyone's been happy with the the way it's gone. And he's uh, he's obviously got his finger on the pulse of, um, you know, young players from his academy days at, uh, at Manchester City. So uh, let's hope it is, uh, you know, it is smoke without fire, but you... You kind of fear the worst when it's when it's Manchester United. It's like one of your players getting linked to them. You you know that if it's if it's concrete, the chances are it's going to happen. He's not going to say no, is he, Steve? If if that if if they do make the offer, he's not going to turn that down. I mean, we assume that you know family and stuff uh, in uh, in and around Manchester and a chance to, to to go back and obviously double, maybe three times the money and and working for a, a, a huge club. It, it, it's it's an offer that you can't turn down, really. Yeah, I would imagine so. It's, I mean, I kind of always liken these sort of backroom jobs to kind of, they're almost kind of normal jobs in many regards. So, but essentially not footballers who have theoretically other considerations, but they're these, these sort of director roles and scouting and recruitment and all this sort of stuff. They're kind of almost like the, their football's kind of answer to normal, the normal jobs that, that you and I have in the, ultimately, if you're, 
within the industry and you're offered three times your salary to go and work for a bigger organization where you get more responsibility i mean yeah of course i mean of course you're going to take that but it'll be interesting to see what what their actual specifics in are in terms of the plan for him because obviously he's got full con- he's basically got full control here and it's possible that in five months time he's got full control as in that position at a premier league football club so does i mean would he won't have that at manchester united obviously because i mean massive club you're talking silly money and also they're seemingly going to be bringing um dan ashcroft in from newcastle to to kind of head up the the sort of non the sort of off-field sort of operations and so he's gonna so he's kind of the gonna be the guy in charge and he's the one that's got got the fantastic sort of long-term track record of excellent recruitment and scouting and and managing sort of from a financial perspective um all of the the sort of various things that the i guess the the elite clubs don't need to worry about in terms of signing players for not much and polishing them up and selling them on for massive profit to to stay within ffp now man united don't really have that many concerns i don't think on on that front so it'll be interesting to see what what the remit is for what what they would want wilcox to do because it will be very different from the job that he's done with us and the job that he did previously at man city which is obviously very academy focused so yeah i mean i guess wait wait and see what happens on that but i mean you'd like to think that i mean as soon as we've got wind of it we're we're already sounding out um potential replacements who can who can start quickly because this is not our first rodeo, is it? You know, we've been here before with Joe Shields. Um, I was trying to think like Matt Crocker, Paul Mitchell back in the day as well. We've always had these people behind the scenes that have been really good directors of football or heads of recruitment. And and they've left, of course, as they would for better jobs. And we've always seemingly been able to replace them with somebody as good, sometimes better. Mostly. Mostly. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, look at the, pre- the previous four previous four years didn't go quite so well on the recruitment front but i think yeah you i mean certainly there is more there is more understanding now in the game in this country about what these sort of roles entail mm. and as a result it's clubs are a lot better at finding people who have got the right skill sets as opposed to just picking an ex player who maybe failed as a manager and uh, but still want still wants a job in the game, and somebody and their agent just gets in the ear of a club and says, "Yeah, give, why not give him give him a job as um, director of football? See how that goes." Mm. And yeah, and then it all goes all goes horribly wrong. I'm, I mean, do you remember Rio Ferdinand um, touting himself as um, as the Man United director of football? Um, <laughs> no, three, I don't remember three, that. three or four years ago. It was like, what what have you got to offer this role? Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Wow. And, it's, and but clubs of clubs do the vast majority of clubs have learned. And so as a result, there are there are a lot of specialists in the game who we would be able to attract. Um, there'll be other other guys doing similar jobs at, um, at championship clubs. Um, you could probably also look at maybe some at the bottom end of uh, bottom end of the Premier League as well as abroad as well. So it's mm-hmm. it's not uh, it's not quite the the sort of devastating step into the unknown when like when Paul Mitchell left. Yeah. All those years ago that we were suddenly all. Oh, Who's who's actually going to who's actually going to manage our fancy black box? It's yeah, it's a lot more refined now, and I think 
I would have, I mean, as long as Rasmus doesn't decide he wants to do it himself, then... Well, that was I the think... only thing that, that worried me ever so slightly when I saw yeah. the news was the thought of finally, you know, clinching promotion at the first attempt, getting that second spot, and then Rasmus Ankerson overseeing the transfer window <laughs> before we start another season in the Premier League. It's like, oh, oh, oh God. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But I, I, I kind of get the impression that this might move quite quickly because if Manchester United get their, other, yeah. Yeah, get their work done, then uh, I'm sure we may even know by the time you're listening to this. So we shall see. Um, that's it for this midweek episode. Don't forget, you can follow Total Saints Podcast on all the social media platforms. It's at Total Saints Pod. Uh, we do like to hear from you throughout the week, so you can drop us a DM on any of the socials or you can email us via the website. Uh, we post loads of stuff on TikTok as well, so give us a little follow on there and check some of that out. And do have a look at the new merch store if you get a few minutes. Shop.totalsaints.co.uk is the website address. Uh, you'll also find us on Patreon. That's where you can support the podcast with the monthly contributions. It's uh, patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast uh, there are four tiers on there ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds per month each of the tiers comes with those different perks including the shouts for the patrons and our francis benali and our mick shannon tiers so thank you to dave melton mark atkins andy hollis anthony thompson saints in exile gavin ford james harron nikki nicholson southampton ny drew diet james kibby and mike e who are in the francis benali tier and also thanks to colt baker dave ernsberger ed busy nick Higston, Phil Cook, Nick Reed, Paul Stewart, Phil Horstrup, Matt Hall, and Mark Littlewood, who are in our Mick Shannon tier. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, thank you for watching and listening. And we will see you again on Sunday evening at the usual time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.